Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is an author, keynote speaker, and HR expert who has over eight years of experience in the industry and is currently the head of people and culture at Mind Valley. Throughout her career, she has always believed that in order to build successful businesses and teams, that it all comes down to people. Back in 2019, she gave a talk at TEDx Malaysia, where she shared her playbook for modern communities, which centered around trust, culture, and teamwork. This year, she decided to write her first book titled The HR Atlas, which is a roadmap to healthy organizations for startups, small and mid-sized businesses, where she shares the key lessons she learned during her career and provides a practical guide to building successful HR in any organization. During this episode, we discuss her career experience working in HR. She shares with us her knowledge and experience around cultivating the right culture. And we talk about the importance of trust in order to produce high-performing teams and a successful business. She has always been an advocate around the importance and impact of HR in organizations. Her passion to lead teams with heart and empathy have been key factors in her success. And the last message she wanted to share is to make it a priority to invest in yourself and focus on your personal development and growth on a daily basis. Please welcome to the show, the HR guru herself, Miss Marta Condren. Thank you so much for having me, Khalid. I'm super excited. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So to so everyone, uh, so people who don't know, so me and you connected through LinkedIn. And Marta, guys, is the head of people and culture at Mind Valley, which is a company that I'm obsessed with over the last few years. I've taken all their courses and I always, you know, recommend it to everyone. The stuff I've learned has kind of has made me who I am today. And I'm eternally grateful. So to speak to some, the head of people and culture of the company really brings everything full circle. And I'm super, super excited to speak to you. Um, but Marta, for the people who don't know, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of intro about yourself and your background and we'll take the conversation from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I'm uh, originally I'm from Ukraine, uh, and I moved all the way to Malaysia seven years ago uh, because I was also like a, a huge raving fan of Mind Valley, and um, and I was very very excited uh, to be a part of it. And uh, seven years ago, I joined at that time like two people's uh, HR team, two people HR team. It was super small, but also the company was small. We were 70 people in Kuala Lumpur and uh, from that time till now we are 300 people team uh, and uh, and overall people in culture and HR has grown into seven really amazing individuals who are driving different parts of, of people and culture or in traditional form is HR and uh, personally I'm, I'm extremely passionate about um, about building organizations, uh, healthy organizations, businesses that are based on uh, empowering people, uh, putting people in their strength um, domains, in building together solid cultures for the business purposes, for growing of the business. Um, and uh, also, um, and also, like seeing how uh, people interact with with the company, and what an amazing magic you can create uh, from these interactions. So I'm personally very, very uh, passionate about that, and um, and uh, and I also think that work can be um, can be so fulfilling, and I believe that in Mind Valley we really are able to prove that that you can have uh, an amazing mission as the company. You can also support the mission of your people, and you can merge those two, so um, so the team can be even more high performing. 
Yeah. I am also uh, uh, quite often I speak at different events and I uh, last year I spoke at TEDx it was a very transformational experience for me and uh, and also this year I published my my ebook so which uh, maybe we'll talk about it today yeah yeah for sure I uh, actually first of all thank you for sharing that with us I really appreciate it uh, and I've actually watched the watch your TEDx talk and I really, I really, really love that. And there's so many points that you mentioned that I think are so important to building a successful culture in a business that I'm going to dive into in a little bit. And we will get to the ebook later because I know you also wrote a book in the past, the HR Atlas books. So I want to hear all about that as well. Um, but for the people who don't know, how would you describe Mind Value? What is the company, and what is the the vision and the mission of the company? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mind Valley is uh, is uh, is in the business of transformation of transformational education. Uh, we uh, believe that um, that um, our universities and our formal education doesn't prepare us fully for for life. It doesn't give us real life skills that you can use and you can uh, live an amazing life as individual as a part of collective. Yes, we gain at university the hard skills and we go into these careers and we start like uh, working, but quite often we end up not being fulfilled and happy as, as people, as individuals. So Mindvalley tries to bridge, uh, to bridge that gap and to fill those white spaces where university didn't fill it up. So if we, I were to put in examples, some uh, education like how to be entrepreneur, whether you should be entrepreneur or not, how to meditate and build like an amazing healthy lifestyle um, and and really um, reverse your aging, right? How to improve relationship, maybe with your loved ones or with, with people, your social skills. So we... Um, we try to solve those uh, educational gaps, if I can say so. Uh, for this, we have a very powerful technology. So all our courses are can be consumed on the app or on the web. And it's our own internally developed educational platform that we constantly innovate. And um, we're also aiming to bring AI to that experience, to make it more uh, integrated with your goals, with other hobbies and other people. The second component is that uh, you are not alone in this process of education and transformation. There is a community of people who are also doing the same journey and uh, you truly you, you feel that you actually grow uh, with someone and maybe you even form accountability groups with them and you study and discover yourself together. So you for sure become a part of like, a very strong, amazing community from around the world. And the number three, it's different events, transformational events, online, offline, um, and connecting with people, not only through the learning journey, but actually through the real meetups. Uh, what is also uh, uh, very cool that uh, is happening for us is that we decided to translate a lot of the contact in, uh, content into uh, some of the biggest languages out there. So we speak about uh, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, German, French, Italian, Chinese, uh, Hindi. So we want to even like expand and reach a bigger, uh, bigger audience through localizing our content. Russian, of course, uh, too. It's been like a long time since we were in this market. So we also offer localized communities if you want to connect with the peers from your region, from your country as well. Yeah. 
Um, I think the thing you said about, first of all, I think it's a great idea to expand the languages because you're being helping more people be able to, you know, in, you know, work with the platform and really like connect with, you know, what the content actually means, because sometimes the language barrier can be a bit challenging. So it makes you a lot more, you know, involved and more connected to the communities that you actually become a part of. So I've done the courses as well. And I've experienced being part of those communities and everyone's very helpful. Everyone's so engaged and, ev and hear seeing everyone like on their learning journey and everyone kind of helps each other. So it's, it's awesome to be a part of as well. Just even from just a networking perspective, you can make some pretty good friends through that too. And what you said about the transformational education and bridging the gap, I think that is exactly what Mind Valley does. You know, the things like you said, like about education, managing wealth, uh, like the life book, all these kind of things that we were never taught at university how to think about life. You know, you went to university to study a certain degree. Your fo whole focus was on that degree, but no one told you, okay, how do you translate that now into your degree and no one you never probably ask yourself the question what do I really want to do with this what do I really want to do with my life so I think that's exactly what Mindvalley does because when I explain it to people I'm always like it's an educational platform but I think what you what you said is bridging that gap is exactly like what Mindvalley does so thank you for that I appreciate it um, I wanted to come I wanted to come on to your TEDx talk there's so many points in there that I'm like okay we need, I would love to dive a little bit deeper on this but the first thing you said in the talk was it was given at uh, the University of Malaysia, right? And you mentioned that your mother was also a university professor and that you wanted to make her proud. So what was her feedback after she watched that? Uh, oh, she was like, she, she was, she was extremely proud. She also sent to all our neighbors, all our like family, friends, and everyone who was, who was reposting it. Um, and um, in the end, like she, Quite often she would say to me that uh, I'm so happy that you could do something that I was always dreaming about only. So uh, this this feeling of uh, gratitude to life for, you know, like uh, some of the dreams. It's sad that uh, she couldn't realize them, but um, she's also very happy that her kids were able to. So That's awesome. It was a very, very touching moment, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. To speak to her about it. Yeah, I can imagine. And to see her, you know, her daughter fulfill that that dream that she always had must be, like you said, such a heartwarming, touching moment. That's awesome. Um, one thing you said in the talk that really like struck with me was uh, the the quote you used. I really like the quote they used from the director of LSE that in the past, the jobs were about muscles. Now they're about brains. In the future, they'll be about hearts. But you also said that we don't celebrate empathy and kindness and caring all, and all those like maybe softer, softer things that, you know, interactions with people and so on, like we do with high, perf like high performance, like, oh, this guy hit this target. So we should celebrate him for that achievement. But no one, you, we don't celebrate the other, the other stuff. So why do you think, why do you think it, that's the way it is in the past? That's the, the way it is, especially it might be changing nowadays. But what are the blocks that people have in their perception of that? Why is that not seen as something to be celebrated while the other is? What do you think? Mm -hmm. I think like I think the world is of course embracing it much more with with amazing work that Brenna Brown is doing right she uh, she talks a lot about the power of vulnerability and how in fact great leaders are vulnerable leaders so she's a researcher who researches this and is she already like was able to prove in so many ways um 
but I also like uh, like if you are in the business, if you are if your business is on the line and uh, like let's say you're losing money and you're not not making any profit, this is probably the last thing that you will talk in the formal thing, right? But but I also like strongly believe that um, that how you approach those things is actually is is a part of that, right? It's actually can be an example of empathy and can be an example of like really understanding what's going on. And to me, also, if we are operating from this like from the heart, from being able to emphasize with people, we are actually able to see much bigger picture than just seeing like, okay, this is like revenue, we're losing revenue, for example, or we are not, not innovating fast enough, let's do something. If you are starting to look at it, okay, let me take a pause and let me see from the perspective, okay, where is this person coming from? What is What are they going through at this point of time in their lives, in their careers? What, what is the outcome of that and how can I help? How can I modify the situation? Because at the end of the day, it will benefit exactly um, exactly your uh, problem. Um, what is also important to note is that like overall as organizations, we talk a lot about um, in organizational intelligence, which is the results, the innovation, the marketing strategies, right? But we very often don't realize that these are the outcome of the health, which is organizational health. And by this, I mean the mission, the values, understanding why does your company exist, how you operate together, um, who are the key team members and how do you interact with them, where they're coming from as people. So the results of organizational intelligence are actually coming from organizational health. And if you don't cater to those, you actually, like I, to me, you will not like reach the highest performance as a business, as a company. And it's not only like based on my example in Mind Valley. My example is like super small, and it's been seven years that I actively practice. There are much more uh, experienced and amazing people who talk about it. One of those is actually um, Jim Collins, who was writing this book about good to great companies, right? He studied them for. Uh, so many years and he asked okay uh, what makes this companies last for so long somebody the companies that would start in 19th century right they're still like existing to that and he actually saw that they they really had a very clear purpose they really had like values that were like clearly defined and everyone was was relating to them they really took care about their people and creating opportunities of growth and retention of those people this is all about what we say hearts and empathy and approaching things with uh with less about intelligence and more about the health and the heart yeah uh, and i think what you said is a, a point that many people maybe don't consider is the difference between the organizational like success and organization organizational health and i never my personally, I never saw the link between between the two, but listening to you and looking back at my experience, that is that is what it's all about. Because if your people are not happy, if your people are you know upset or they're stressed or they're unmotivated and it's collective, that is going to have an end result on, you know, your revenue and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the times, do you think it that but that do you think that correlation in most businesses or in the world today is clear enough or do you still see do you still think people see it as two separate things like oh we can be successful without you know having our organization you know at a good health what do you think 
I, I still think like some organizations really don't pay enough attention or they will make it or this is like just HR stuff like uh, like it doesn't really make a big difference because of course it does like it creates a long lasting change it's not something that you create and then the next day it brings result of for the revenue let's say it does create a long-term like uh, success on the revenue and like don't get me wrong i'm not saying that you know like revenue and, and strategy is not important it's like so important being able to identify and and, uh, and be very clear and communicate it's super crucial and innovation is like like innovating and this time especially right it's super crucial but um but um but super important before doing that is is really to have an amazing team and to invest in um invest in, in leadership and in team and how you operate and be very clear about this and and um and congruent of course and uh, trust me like even the companies who like maybe like have those that you are not aligned and but the the moment you are very clear about it it's it's like so much better for employees so those who are needed they will stay you know they, those who won't uh, be relatable to that they will leave which is totally fine so yeah so i like coming back to your question i i still think like many companies really like either like trying to say oh this is not our role this is hr's job or it's too fluffy or it doesn't bring immediate change or um it's all this like uh, management concepts that you cannot apply into practice they always like think that way some of them think that way but at the same time i really think that many businesses as well right now they like all of us like, people and businesses have been like forced to think about existence and why do we exist right and what drives and will our business survive and in fact those businesses that have the strong reason to survive are coming back strong right so yeah. i think like this uh, the whole 2020 was a lot uh, for companies to really look at it from another angle and to start asking themselves these questions yeah no i think you said it i think you said it perfectly about that especially this year it kind of forced everyone to take a look at you know their companies and culture and all the things maybe you didn't pay attention pay enough attention to before and now really looking forward given everything that's happened how do we start what's the future of the company look like how do we want to operate how do we want to take care of our employees and so on and one thing you said in the talk was you asked the question that if if you if you were in trouble and or if you were going with you going through a difficult time would your company be there for you and as you know with covid covid has affected everyone businesses and individuals so and a lot of people have lost their jobs. Now, I was always, I believe that if a company truly wanted to show that it cared about its employees, especially during COVID, maybe, I don't know how, I'm not saying I have the solution, but trying to keep, trying to keep everyone on board would be, I think, the biggest sign of loyalty that you could show to your employees. But at the same time, I understand business is business and for business to operate and move, continue, Sometimes just given financial struggles, it doesn't, it just doesn't work out. So how do you think people should be looked like now moving forward? How do you like with COVID, do you think people have handled it the right way or was there, but just by letting people go, or do you think there was another way that you could have gone about it? For example, at Mindvalley, I know you told me you guys had to restructure a couple of things, move to online, more to online and so on. So how did you guys handle it? And what do you think about that whole situation? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, very, very good question, Khalid. Um, 
I, uh, for Mindvalley, we, of course, like as I mentioned, events department, uh, live events were canceled. Our events department is quite big. So, uh, but at the same time, this were, these are the people who have been with us for eight plus years. Like these are like some of the most solid employees. And of course, uh, like we, we, like we, we didn't even want to, um, to do anything like to, to get them a living, but we definitely restructured. One way was to create online events. Another way we upskilled the team. So the team was, uh, some of them uh, turned into YouTube marketeers. I was actually speaking last week and uh, the employee who was doing events before, now she's super good in, in YouTube marketing on French, which is, wow, it's so amazing. She's so happy. So we were, we were upskilling them, reskilling for what is needed at this time. So we took that stand more. And uh, I think like we were blessed that we had these opportunities while other companies uh, couldn't, uh, weren't able to do that, right? Let's look, look at the Airbnb, right? Uh, we saw how Airbnb handled it. And I think this the key here is how companies are handling it. The layoffs are, uh, for some businesses, are inevitable. You, you, you have to do it. Same what happened for Airbnb. But how they handled it, how they communicated, it's very admiring. So there is this like a viral article of um, when where their CEOs described exactly what's going to happen to employees who are being asked to resign or retrenched. Uh, exactly what uh, like what are the reasons? What types of support they will get, including like counseling. Uh, career and job coaching, um, creating alumni database of all employees and reaching out to his CEO's friends and, and helping them to find jobs. And I truly think this is like an example of how companies can, can support employees um, in, in these times. Uh, if you have to let uh, somebody go, like the way you communicate and like being very transparent about the reasons is very important. And second, what you will do to help even like minimum things and uh, really like showing that you are doing this by action uh, makes a big difference. And uh, already like there is a lot of research about, about that, that uh, when employees feel um, that they were given like valid reasons and these reasons are clearly transparently communicated, it already improves the experience of this horrible thing of letting someone go. And second, if they felt supported by providing different options for them after employment. So I think like uh, this, this was a like, super good lesson to learn from Airbnb this year. And I think many of uh, HR people were amazed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, didn't I didn't consider either of those two points. Um, actually, I love what you guys did that you you know instead of letting people go you looked at it in a different way and like okay let's upscale people so i think that works in two ways because number one people kept their job number two you show loyalty to your employees and number three that employee even though he has might be doing an extra job now he now has a new has set of skills that can be transferred like later down the line to <clears throat> whatever they want to do or whatever that might be so there's a lot of benefit that comes from that but like you said in some situations it is inevitable unfortunately um, you know, businesses need to survive and sometimes you have to let people go even if you don't want to. But I think what you, what, how Airbnb did it in your example, communicating it in the right way and showing support, support to your employees even after, you know, having to let them go, especially in such a difficult time. That's what, I think that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember that, okay, fine, it's, it's a shame, but 
everyone's going through this and at least they supported me. They might have me get a good job, a different job, gave me some counseling, whatever, whatever it might be. So having that extra like aspect of empathy, empathy or like care to employees, especially in such a difficult time, I think is a great, great way to look at it and a great way to go forward. Yeah. And coming. So I wanted to come on to the the whole the basically what the whole talk was about which was uh, your playbook for modern communities and i know it was split up into three things so there was trust rich culture and teamwork now i wanted to start with trust because i think this is such an interesting topic and i think it's so crucial to you know building any kind of relationship with people so and I love the experiment that you did, actually, when you got everyone to unlock their phone and pass it to the other person. I would feel so uncomfortable doing that. <laughs> so I can imagine everyone in the room was feeling the same way. Um, and what you said is that trust requires vulnerability from all of us and from organizations. And you used Airbnb as an example that, you're, you know, Airbnb is about opening people to their homes and so on. And you're coming into their home. So it's quite a vulnerable thing to do. So I've always thought, been of the belief personally, and you know what everyone says, that trust is something that is earned. Now, I watched uh, one of Gary Vee's videos recently, and I know he has, a course, uh, he has a course with you guys, and he said something that really made me think about trust in a different way. He's like, to say trust is earned from his perspective is an egotistical thing and comes from a place of fear. He's like, the way I work is I give trust and then either you keep it or you lose it. So you're not earning it, I'm giving it to you blindly and then we see what happens after that. What do you think? What do you think about what he what he said? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? And how do you, how do you start building trust in an organization? Yeah, I think like it's it's uh, it's amazing what he shared, and I think like a lot comes from him as the CEO of the company, right? He's on the top of the organization, and him sending this message that I give trust, no matter where you start, on who you are. It's it's a great a way to to work with people, and I think um, it's it's really I would love to watch that video myself too. Um, so for sure, if, if the leader of the organization says, I give you trust and I uh, hear you have this like fragile ways that you need to carry and you need to take care of it. That's, that's, that's the first step actually. And, um, and if, if a CEO walks this talk and, and really proves it and shares, gives, goes by example, that's, that's already like a huge step. Then other people will follow, right? I also see here uh, speaking about trust is also creating the environment where um, you not only give it, but actually you cultivate it, right? So in everyday actions, you can see it. Um, you can see it from people, especially let's say if there are mistakes that happen, right? Every day there are so many mistakes that might cost a lot of money. So how do you how do you deal with those, right? And with the people who make these mistakes, at the same time. In, like let's say uh, on the meetings the the typical trust based uh, trust building environment in organization you can actually see what is the level of trust and uh, and um, uh, what, what is actually the level of it while attending some of the meetings especially where there is like the top team in the room um, if people uh, speak up uh, and people uh, have this healthy disagreement with each other and uh, when they leave the room and they feel, uh, oh my God, this has been like such a great discussion. I love it. 
then I think like that's we can say that the trust is actually present in the organization. But if there is only like one person talking and people uh, hate going to that meeting and they don't speak up, no one else speaks up, that's actually a sign that, okay, like there, there actually might not be a room for, for trust. So how do you create this environment? Uh, usually very simple things that managers can actually do. Uh, I always say, start by saying something a little bit more about yourself. Like, um, like first, like when, when sharing about um, like past day or past week, like share a little bit more what's going on beha- behind the standard phrases, right? Or even um, we like to start our uh, daily meetings uh, with every team with gratitude. So everyone gets to share what they're grateful for. And then they go into, okay, and my focus for the day is this, this, and that. So uh, we notice that when people uh, start with gratitude and that goes the same for all the managers, that actually opens a lot of avenue for, for being vulnerable, for showing a bit of your side that is uh, not only work side. Uh, and, uh, and that also fosters trust on an everyday level because people can relate to you and people can see that you are actually a human and you have maybe troubles, maybe successes. So these simple practices help a lot. Um, another, another super good uh, practice that we do, uh, when we have every quarter strategy meetings, and uh, strategy meetings usually like two days, the top team meets and plan like, okay, what's happening for this quarter, for, uh, for this year where we are. And day before, um, we gather, all of us together for dinner. So, and this dinner, we, are, we don't talk about strategy. We don't talk about uh, anything work related. We just talk about ourselves, our, um, what's going on in our life and just like checking in with each other where we are as people. And usually these dinners, like an amazing preface of uh, actually tomorrow, I can debate with you. I can like healthily contradict or healthily like, have this healthy conflict because we need it. We need the strategy to be very solid. If there is no trust, if there is only formal words, then uh, like there will be like a strategy won't be like as, as inspiring or as big as we could be. So this also proved to us, like especially on the leadership team where there are like super solid, super like um, amazing individuals who are also hard-headed many times, uh, many occasions. Uh, So this environment where you actually catch up and see each other's people is uh, usually is super helpful. And I personally, I also like um, in my work, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, personality tests, for example, for hiring or making some like promotion decisions, but I really use them to, um, to get to know my team. So we like doing from time to time when we have a team retreat or a team gathering uh, to share some, some of the tests inside that we did personality tests. And then like, or actually like seeing this person from another side is also helps us to boost trust in many ways. Um, I, l- I really like what you said about, first of all, I think the dinner before having such a big meeting is a great idea because you're prime, you're priming yourself to be, you know, everything's discussed, you know, how everyone, where everyone's coming, where they are in their, you know, in their life personally. And then when you go into the meeting, like you said, that you feel like I can, we can have this debate, even if, you know, if we have different opposing views, like we've, 
lay the groundwork so we can have a good debate together. And also what you said about it all starts, I think, in any company, it all starts from the top, uh, from like from the CEO and it comes down because them showing some kind of vulnerability, them showing that, you know, they're just a, they're also just a person. They have, you know, they have kids, they have families, they have the st- same problems that any, you know, the top level have the same problems that the bottom level have too. It's just everyone has their own problems. And I think that really, like you said, it makes it more relatable. It makes me look at you as, oh, you're not my just, okay, yes, you're my boss, but you're also a person. So, you know, if there's days that you have, you know, might have been a bit aggressive with me, I understand, okay, if I know what's what's going on in life, okay, I can understand that. It might give me, it gives me more room to be compassionate or more room to be understanding. And what do you, why do you think that in most organizations, at least, I've been in some that this, I've been in some organizations myself where, I could be like, okay, yes, I did. There was trust, and I can also look at others that there there wasn't. And what you said, you also said in the talk, like you want people to come as themselves to work, so not be like work Khalid or work Malta. You want me to, you want you want us to be our full, fully who we are and ourselves. So why do you think in a lot of companies that is not there? Is it does it come from a place of fear? Is it from an insecurity? Is it because the environment in that in that office or in that company doesn't? give you the opportunity to be yourself um, in those, you know, at work? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it's a, a combination of uh, many things um, because like, we still sometimes operate that um, um, work is work and then there is life and, uh, and I need to put this mask when I come to work, right? And it's like for this amount of hours and then, and then I go to... Um, to home, and I think like a lot, like still like many businesses operate in this um, mentality of win lose, right? If I do something, and then you must lose, right? Like like in this in this like competitive uh, win lose situations, that of course impacts uh, the customers and the people as well, the employees, and 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 actually that's how like a lot of corporations are like built, and even I now when I talk to my friends. Um, who are in big corporations and I and I ask them they like they predominantly extremely unhappy but they're there because like it's security it's job it's it's an amazing salary they have this, all these perks um, but if I like if I ask them okay but are you healthy or are you um, fulfilled it's it's super hard for them and I saw like some people who would leave this corporation after some time how lost they are without them you know um, so, so, so yes, you're right. A lot of businesses still operate in that sense, but there is also a lot of movement I feel right now in terms of like, okay, like first you cannot separate because there is actually no separation. In fact, 80% of time we are at work, right? Uh, second, uh, the, like uh, there is, there are a lot of studies that uh, engagement, high engagement, what we spoke like high, high level of vulnerability, being valued and being like really knowing the company cares for you drives innovation and drives results of companies right so it's already like that's why there is a lot of like companies with amazing culture and they talk about it and and, uh, all the silicon valley is all about that right Uh, so it's i think like the movement is is there uh but still like um but still like people are um to this point of time like can be miserable at work and um, but i also think like okay like 
yes, companies are creating that for us, but also it's up to us where we are in our life and what we want to achieve from the, from the life. Um, and what's our journey, what, what's our stage of life, right? So it's a lot on us as well as employees, as individuals to, to choose where we want to be. Yeah. Of course, I can't say like, uh, right, like maybe for, for, I don't have kids. And so I, it's probably easy for me to choose, right, uh, compared to, to parents, to working parents or people who, um, who don't have so many privileges as I do. Uh, so I am, I am in many senses a very, very privileged to what I'm grateful. But I also think like, like the moment we like grow ourselves as individuals, if we invest in our personal growth, no matter what, that's where like we can transform a lot of organizations too so like to finalize my answer which is super long <laughs> is to like you know it goes hand in hand on one side yeah. organizations are evolving and they need to be conscious about it and another side us and individuals as well it's a lot of power in our hands and consciousness needs to happen in our in our existence too how we exist as individuals and what we really want from work too yeah um, and I think you said a great point about it's, it's, it's a, it's goes hand in hand. It's responsibility on us as people, you know, to invest in ourselves and to, I guess, develop that vulnerability. I'd like to think of it as a muscle because it's something that you train and you get better with over time. And it's also for the company to provide you a, a platform or an environment for you to, I guess, like develop those skills and, you know, engage with people in that way and so on. Do you think that, let's say there's an environment that is not like catered towards vulnerability and so on. It's not that kind of environment. Do you think a person could be the catalyst to change all that if they start acting and being vulnerable with people? Because I've always believed, at least in my experience, that if you're vulnerable, you being vulnerable invites people to be vulnerable with you. And it's kind of like a domino effect when that starts happening. So do you think people can become the change that they want, they'd like to see in the company? Or do you think that sometimes, even if you do change, the environment is just too, I guess, unwelcoming for something like that? Mm -hmm. I think like to, to some extent, yes, you can change uh, and uh, you can definitely change in your immediate team. And I saw examples where the team would be like, as we speak right now, vulnerable with each other while organization is very stiff. Uh, so uh, definitely as individuals, we can change on our immediate circles. And uh, for sure, I wanna encourage that and, uh, and we can make this change. To say that this is going to be organization-wide change, I think it's it's quite tough. And um, many examples, it really needs to go to CEO, to the owner, and where he is in his level of development and level of growth. What's he, what's going on in his life, right? This uh, we can see like exactly like where CEO is, what he's going through. It exactly reflects on the company. It's very like strange to think that way. But it, you cannot separate, especially if, if, if this person is a founder too, right? Mm. Because it's it's his idea, his um, his brand is coming from his heart and his mind. These are interconnected. So if the CEO has problems with being vulnerable, it will be a, a, almost impossible to do it on organization level because he will not accept it. He will not receive it even. If he is like growing in his consciousness and uh, or her, her consciousness, um, and uh, really like stepping into that, like that's 
that's the big change will happen yeah yeah no i think you made a good point that it really does especially like you said if they're also the founder as well it's them you know it's their baby it's their vision it's how and it's a big like i said it is a big reflection on the culture is a big reflection on how they see things and how they operate and what's going on in their life and i think that's something that a lot, a lot of people don't keep in mind as much you know you might think it's just you know your manager that's not like that or whatever but it, like i said it starts from the top and it comes all the way down and do you think that coming on the on the to finish off to wrap up trust do you think that building trust at work is the same as building trust in your personal relationships because i was thinking about it i'm like building trust in a personal relationship would be like you and a friend having an experience together or like sharing uh some stories or sharing a secret or whatever it might be and trusting each other that you know we're on the same page and that's how trust over time is developed and so on but at work is it how would how would that happen at work what are the kind of moments or do you have an example of a story for you that while you while you were at work you're like now i feel you might you know you might you come in and the environment's like that but i think something needs to happen for you as a person to feel like no i really trust the people around me and what's going on do you have a story that maybe just brings that all together um um uh, if i were to think about the story um, i think um, definitely when i joined mind valley it was like a, the next level of this uh, trust and uh, previously i was working it was a good organization but it was like completely different level so actually when i started my for the first six months the feedback that the team shared with me was you are so amazing you work so hard you're like a high performer but you are by yourself you know it seems like you are uh, too individualistic and i was so shocked you know like i always found myself a team player and i wanted to be a team player um and this feedback was actually like quite transformational for me because i i never saw it this way and uh and it really like showed to me like how like how people actually like care about you and um and also like who you are and and like being with you being a part of the team so it, it was one of the like vulnerable moments where people and i saw like actually the power of mind valley team like exactly in this moment when it was shared um because people were like they they care about you so much they they want you to succeed and they are not afraid to share openly this feedback so this, so this was this was one of very very crucial pivotal moment for me um and i think um like if I were to speak like a bit later during the years about about Mind Valley, um, we had um, like I think we had a really amazing moment uh, when our CEO uh, Vision he shared at team retreat we were all together and he um, he shared some very very personal um, story of his life what he was going through at that time and. Um, and literally after that, like the company went through such a powerful moment of growth, like speaking about revenue and money. And that's when the idea of all access came up. That's where the Quest uh, app platform was built. Um, like I only like realized that like quite late during, uh, I didn't like connect these moments. Um, and, then, and, and then we shared with him, you know, like that's because you were on that stage. And after that actually like, almost the entire team ran to him and we were hugging him and it was just a very, very emotional and nice moment. Um, 
So, um, so yeah, so to come back to your question, I think there were like, Mind Valley is quite, um, quite, um, on the like quite a, like a strong example so like in a regular company it might be uh, very different uh, than before than, than what we have in mind Valley. but um but i think um the moment the company like chooses for themselves or like ceo chooses for themselves this is how we'll run the team you can you can change it and you can implement it right away i yeah. hope i answered to your question yeah yeah no 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 no, you did. You did. No, it's awesome. Uh, those stories are perfect examples of, you know, when you felt that you had trust in the organization and looking like, especially the one regarding the feed, getting that kind of feedback, because sometimes we have an idea of how pe we, people perceive us. But then when you get that feedback and you're like, for example, in your case, you didn't think that you were being, you know, individualistic, but that's such a, like, sometimes we have blind spots that, that only we, other people can see that we can't see and helps us reflect and grow. So, and that just, show, like you said, that just shows you that they do care. That's where it comes from. We you know when you're giving feedback to help someone and help them transform, help them, you know, grow, that's where it comes from. So no, your stories made perfect sense and perfectly explained like what they were talking about. Um, I wanted to come on to, so for them for the playbook there was trust rich culture and teamwork so we've talked about the trust now coming over to culture and you guys have something called the code of awesomeness and which was something was so and i but you were talking about how that's almost like the code of con conduct for the company but you also said that a lot of companies they write the code and then that's hidden and you only come to it when there's like maybe an issue and it's not something that is more like ingrained into the culture. So why don't you tell all of us what is the code of awesomeness and, you know, how has it impacted the company? Mm -hmm. um, so code of awesomeness, as you said, is a co code of conduct. It's actually our operating values or company values that um, that we identify for ourselves. Now, in Mindvalley, we have two types of values. One of the, uh, one is uh, brand or founder values. The three of them: unity, transformation, and envisioning. And these are very, very much stemmed from where the brand stands from, and as well as founders' values. Usually, these three rarely change. They can only evolve. Um, for them to change is actually the business idea. The business should change, right? So we have those, but there are also like a second layer to this, something how your team wants to operate, something how your team uh, would appraise someone or would think, oh, this person is a high performer. So this is code of awesomeness. Um, and uh, interesting that uh, it was it was already like it's already like a third iteration since I joined that we have it. And uh, we are not afraid to change it because we know that the team changes. And it exactly comes from at that time, it was 60 top 60 people who came together, who identified, OK, how do we want to operate mostly like our senior leaders and uh, very highly valued specialists that the uh, opinions of whose we value a lot. So they all met 60 top people and identified and rewrote the code of awesomeness together. So uh, it was super important that it wasn't only Vision who was there, who was driving. He wasn't even driving this conversation. He was a participant as well. And um, all of them together identified, okay, how do I want, how will I know that I'm performing in Mindvalley? How will I know that I'm a high performer? What, what am I, what are these people that are, that we are praising all the time do differently? How do we codify that? 
that actually was like the process of uh, code of awesomeness uh, being developed. And then after that, it was reflected in our onboarding and induction, how we board team members in our appraisal process, in giving feedback each other. So these principles were also uh, turned into competencies. So people were saying, okay, how, where do I stand in those of, in terms of this? What else do I need to, um, to improve? And uh, yeah, and so it tripled into all HR or people processes as well. Um, but again, I always say like, uh, like at certain point, the team changes and you need to do this exercise again. So it's a, usually, I think like every three, four years, you really need to do an inventory of this. That is, do this still make sense, um, for us? Um, and also notice what's happening in the organization, right? Uh, even such words that, or let's say, this person worked overnight, over the weekend, they got it fixed, they are amazing. What does it mean about your culture, right? That you appreciate actually people, um, I don't know, going extra mile or like a high quality or like, um, like this like overnight workers, right? And you want to like this hustle mentality, you want to uh, cultivate. That actually talks a lot about your culture. Super important for you to catch it and codify it and communicate mm. to the team. Hey guys, you actually are a high performer here if you are hustling over the weekend. This is appreciated, right? Uh, so uh, also important not only to write and like follow, but also notice what's happening in the company and, and trying to always like evolve that. That's, that's a very important factor too. Yeah. Uh, I really like how it's so open and like you said, it's translated from just being a code to actual com competencies. So each employee can look at it and be like, where do I stand and how do I, do I fit in? Am I aligned with the values of the company? So I think it's super useful to have it so open. And the fact that it has come from people within the company makes it a lot more, I guess, relatable. It's not just one person, the CEO, like Vision sitting down and be like, this is what we're going to do. But it's everyone coming together and, you know, creating it together. And on the co concept of culture, because so you said that every three to four years, you take a look at the code and ask, does this, does this still work for us? So does do you think company culture needs to evolve as time goes on? Or is that was culture something that is kind of timeless and that just no matter how long the organization is there for, this is the culture that we want to have? Or is there am I, or are there two different aspects to that? I think it definitely it should evolve because also like this uh, like the stages of the company when you are a startup it's very different when you are a 300 people company right it's how you operate when you are going to IPO that's another level of uh, of complexity what is also like I think like at every stage you need to see, okay, what is that we want to like keep and cultivate? What, what doesn't serve us anymore, any longer, right? Uh, for example, for some time in Mind Valley, we were calling ourselves a family. Like this is a family. We are like all in this together. But then we realized we don't want to be any more family because we want to be on IPO. We want to like be able to build the best technology, right? We want to uh, work with the best authors. We really want the team to be um, different levels. So we decided we want to be a sports team now. So I think like I think um, 
I think like the culture will evolve and that happened to Mind Valley as well. Um, it was like it went through like uh, evolution uh, in a sense that it's uh, always like, like being conscious and being like aware of what's happening in this point of time. Same with Code of Awesomeness, right? Like being able to articulate, it's super important. Um, and as well as like people, new people join, old people leave who were part of that creation process. And um, I also feel that when new people join, that's for them opportunity to contribute a lot to the culture and make the change that they would like to see. So uh, to me, this is a very evolutionary process. Um, it's also like, let's look at Microsoft, right? Microsoft is a very great example. When um, there was this uh, CEO for a long time, um, his surname, if I'm not mistaken, was Palmer, Balmer, right? Jim Balmer, I think. He was very ruthless, uh, like strict CEO, all about revenue. Like people were like, there is this meme of a, of a toxic organizational culture uh, being shared where like all departments having like uh, guns on each other, right? Like this is how they were communicating, working. The moment he left and another guy stepped in, the current CEO, uh, he was like a long-term employee and uh, like he immediately spoke, my culture will be about growth mindset, about giving open feedback and this will lead us to innovation. The culture has changed and it's like, and it's, it's amazing the transformation. Now Microsoft uh, stock is even increased, you know, like it impacted to that. So for sure, um, for sure this like an evolutionary process, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. No, that makes, I never can, I never considered that because I always thought that culture is something that it's kind of almost the ethos of the organization and it shouldn't be, it can be adjusted, but it shouldn't be changed from what, you know, from when you were a startup to as you grow. But as you know, as well, I'm sure you've seen, um, like you said, in Mindvalley, there's been evolutions, there's been transformations, but a lot of companies, as they grow, they typically tend to lose the, cu the culture from, from, for example, when they were a startup. And I've, a lot of employees might feel that that new culture is not something that that's not why they joined the company. You know, it's gone from being like, like you said, you, you guys used to be a family and now it's more of like a team, like a sports team, as you said. So, and in a lot of startups, when you, at the beginning, that's kind of what it feels like. And then as it grows, it becomes a bit more corporate. It becomes, and especially if you want to IPO and so on, it changes. So do, is the, is the issue that in a lot of organizations, the culture is changing without taking the employees like feedback into consideration and that's why you say you know as people as companies grow they lose culture or is it that the culture never changes as the company grows which one would you th what do you think um i actually don't think like a culture should evolve based on feedback employees all the t like um all the time in a way and um, in a way i say it is that new, when new people join they should be empowered to see that um they like that they can contribute to the culture, they can enrich it, right? They don't okay. change it necessarily, but they enrich it, right? Mm. They, they see like something doesn't work out, how do we fix it, what's going on here, right? Um, rather than only fitting in. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, let, let me know if I answered the question. Maybe I just didn't understand the second part. What did you mean? By yeah, so I was just saying that in a lot of in a lot of the cases like you said that okay, i think you said it right that it's not about changing the culture it's about when they join can they enrich the culture but a lot of companies as they grow they tend to lose the culture that they started with but as we we discussed you know just now that 
you, you said that culture is something that needs to evolve. But does it, can culture come, should culture completely change? Do you understand what I mean? Like as you grow, it, t- it tends to go from like startup. Once you get like bigger, it's more corporate and you don't have the same, the values that you started with aren't necessarily here or is culture something that there should be a foundation and we make a slight adjustments as time goes on, not like a completely, you know, revamp. What do you think? Yeah, it depends. I think it depends a lot on different factors. Of course, it depends on CEO as well, how he sees it and uh, or the owner or the founder. Um, like, uh, I think like probably like let's go back to really understanding why does your business exist? This, this okay. would be like even a sooner like question, right? Before like talking about the culture like understanding okay like what is what is that we are doing what's the mission of the company is it still the same so this is not like it's a very important component right because from there that's how you like attract people that's how you operate and so on right um so so probably like the mission will be always uh, like mostly will be there it will be maybe go through slightly like uh, variations but it, like the, the existence of the business will remain the why will remain the same and then how are you reaching that those components of culture will go through evolution right so like how yeah. we make decisions um like who are the people who are driving it that's going to be the go through evolution. And again, here will come, okay, the different stage of the company where you are at and what is needed at that point of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, Mm -hmm. sorry, please go ahead. And and also like, like if we were to talk about the principles, right? I, I mentioned that like, for Mind Valley, we identified this three fundamental founder brand values. Uh, which are kind of like a filter for a lot of things. And then on top, we build the principles that are needed at this point of time for the culture. So probably like the, the, the mission, not probably for sure, the mission of the company, why it exists, and this like three non-negotiable things, they will stay like long and they will serve you for, for a long, long time. Everything else will go through evolution transformation. Yeah, I think you said it. Perfect. That's, that's the part that I never, I wasn't aware of. It's the part before all the changes happen is that, that, that super important question is why does this business exist? And the three, uh, the three values, that was the foundation that I was talking about. So that is what doesn't change. And that is what all the transformation, all the adjustments that come with it are built from, from there. That's where it comes from. And that's how things evolve and so on. I actually, that was a part I've never understood. So thank you. I never, I had no idea about that part. I think it's, I think you're hundred percent right. And moving on to the last part of the uh, modern play community thing is teamwork. So teamwork is a tricky, I think teamwork is an interesting thing. Everyone likes to say, yeah, we're a team, we're a team, teamwork. Yeah, go together. But we've all been part of teams where, you know, Someone doesn't carry their weights. Not everyone's in line with the same, you know, not everyone has the same vision of the team. Not everyone is maybe fully involved or recognized in the team. So on the aspect of teamwork, how do we, how do you build, how do we build like good teams, like strong, strong teams? Where does it start from? What are the factors that go into all that? Mm -hmm. Um, 
so many things I think uh, to talk about here. Um, but I like I personally I'm a uh, like I'm a, a strong proponent and um, and supporter of uh, Patrick Lencioni's model of uh, uh, five dysfunctions of the team. Right, there is like the book. It's 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 amazing. Like I love it so much. And I always like uh, all the new managers. They know that I'll be talking about it in my value. Um, but yeah, but specifically like uh, like in this five dysfunctions, he talks, the very first one is actually like he built it on trust, right? So everybody, you cannot reach result if people don't trust each other, right? So, so the very first component is to have this uh, solid trust building process that everybody, um, everybody shows as themselves and not as like, oh, I'm the smartest or I'm the best. And it's actually on the role of the leader a lot to create that like environment and also to encourage the people to do it right um, another thing is is super important is um, is um, like is for the team of course I also think that every team in the organization is to have needs to have their purpose like really clear understanding why do this they exist in this business and for some these reasons can be like very very different like for example for marketing team in Mind Valley like the main why for them is to drive revenue and they're very revenue driven team team members they love like talking about this boosting and all the ideas how they will boost the revenue so being very clear of why does this team exist in your organization or this department and and the role of the managers of course is to reiterate that uh, that uh, that why existence for people and culture in mind valley is uh, the purpose is to uh, is to take care of the people and to um, to foster and uh, to enrich the culture of the company that's that's our that's our um, um, our existence and purpose. So um, and and we are also like have a lot of practices where uh, teams would align with vision and uh, see like is the purpose of this team is this still the same? Uh, do we see it in the same way? So there is like better collaboration, better understanding where everyone is coming from. Um, number three, it's um, it's um, to me, also like super important is stable membership in the team. Um, meaning that people that you work with, they are there like playing long-term game with you, right? I know this from my experience that the team members that are, the teams that would maybe like are created uh, for the quarter or people leave like uh, quite often, that's actually like uh, leads to um, not a great teamwork and not actually essentially like team members not being the, the most high performing. So the better is the stable and the better is membership, the stronger is the team experience as well um, of course super important is to have a coach expert let's look at the football teams right you have a coach who is uh, who is probably former football player as well who has like this skills so if for example if you have a new manager who is running the team it's very crucial that they set the pace for learning set the pace for their own upgrade all the time and encourage the team to grow so having this expert coaching expert coach is is also like super super important it is actually a criteria that i'm describing right now that how we run the teams in mind valley as well the criteria of high performing team yeah yeah i think uh what you said about uh, the stable membership one was interesting i have no i haven't heard anyone 
uh, speak about the aspect before, but it does make sense if the teams are constantly, people are leaving and so on. It becomes hard to develop that, I think, that trust in the team if you know if not everyone's there for the long term and also having such a very clear purpose of why are we here what's our main job like you said in your example with the marketing they're purely revenue driven and each department knows what what they're there for knows why they're doing it and also that there has to be collaborations between you know sea level and so on to make sure that are we still is the purpose of this team still relevant to us do we need to still be doing these kind of things or do we have to shift and so on so i think those three things are very really interesting i never considered the three in the same in the same for like especially like it's very applicable for executive teams um mm. on the top um like for them like following this like this kind of criteria because um because then that will triple down right but if executive team like constantly changes if uh if uh, they like uh, they like are like executive team is not about being executive and running the company but more about like innovation revenue like so the purpose becomes unclear that actually like like creates so many leadership problems for the organization as well mm. then yeah so like uh, I think like if you were to start with like a solid teams in any company like really start from this executive team and meeting this trying to meet this criteria and also stable membership means that you have very clearly defined roles for everybody so everyone in the room knows what's their role what they're playing and how they're contributing because again the moment you have people who have who are not don't understand why they're in that room why they're part of this team uh, it's it's also like usually doesn't lead to like any success there too yeah and i think like you said it's important to do it from the executive team and then you know move it down because i guess that's the team that facilitates all the other teams that come along with it and i think what you said about the role making sure everyone knows exactly what they do and how they the keyword i think is contribute because if i'm part of a team that i feel that i'm not really contributing or i don't know why i'm here I'm probably not going to do my best work. I'm going to feel demotivated or I'm not going to be in line or connected to other people in the team and the vision behind the team as well. So I think that's a very good point. And you also talked about how look at work as a community, like look at your work university as a community and as an experience. So I know I think Mindvalley is a great example example of this. So how do we, and I think the aspect of teams as well plays into all that, building this kind of community and so on. So how does a company start building the kind of community that, you know, supports everything we talked about today, supports the trust, supports the culture and supports, you know, empowering others and, you know, this whole, uh, everything to do with teamwork. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think like we are very, uh, we are very good uh, and lucky in Mind Valley because uh, probably the people that we hire is very like-minded and we always like, um, at this point of time, at least in, in our, uh, company growth uh, like we have a lot of friends so some of the closest friends are actually from mind valley for in my case you know so it's actually it's actually amazing and i know for many others as well it's it's very similar so um so having uh like like we have a lot of rituals for creating that and it's like it's also like non-negotiable for us that uh, people we trust in friendships at work this is one of the principles for us that uh, we believe in friends at work we know about the study that uh, um, that the most uh, engaged and the most long-serving employees uh, were those who had uh, who could name like this one person from the company who was their close friend right so we follow the same and exactly like a manifest for us as well 
So communities would start for us. Community like feeling is uh, through different rituals. So um, we, we we organize a lot of like culture events, a lot of connections events for the team members. Now on Zoom, we have a lot of like uh, um, online activities that we do. Like uh, we also have this famous culture days where every team uh, culture of specific country needs to represent the whole day their own specific culture. This is on top of like doing your regular job. <laughs> you you have to do it too. Um, and so so this kind of like rituals where people will appear a bit like again less formal, less about work, but more about themselves or their culture or their story. That's actually fosters friendships as well a lot and uh, of course uh, mind valley is um, we we are in business of transformation this is also something that we promise to our employees so employees uh, go through this transformation and we create a lot of space for team to learn together so if there is quest about um, a perfect diet like wild fit we, you will always find a group of people employees who go through the same they would go wild fit they will start and end together they will keep each other accountable it's it's very beautiful to see and this also usually forms a lot of friendships too yeah so yes super important for us and it's actually not so difficult to do uh, for companies it doesn't cost a lot of money to yeah. organize those it's giving people, I guess, the the opportunities or the activities to start developing these deeper connections, making these friendships, learning about people in other teams, and 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 in Mind Valley, it's uh, the fact that everyone's transforming together. I think it's a very relatable thing. Like, oh, we're on the same quest. That's cool. How's it going for you? So it's a lot. It's a lot easier to you know to relate to each other. So I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to move on uh to the your books so i know you've written a book in the past called the hr atlas book uh, a roadmap to healthy organization for startups small and medium-sized businesses so why don't you tell us uh what that book was you know all about what was the vision behind it and i know you also have another book coming up guys on december 15th coming up soon so really excited about that too so Tell us about HR Atlas first, and then I'd love to hear about the new book as well. It's actually the same book, so there are oh, no the same two book? books. It's oh, only okay. one, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought that was an older book. Okay, my, my you fault. You over, overestimate my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, but no. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, so this has been like the, 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 uh, the fruit of uh, work for this year. Uh, it's, it's, it's an e-book. It's not a, a printed book, not yet at least, maybe in the future. Uh, but it, it actually it served a lot about the reflection about my experience of uh, building HR in Mind Valley, starting from being very small to building a solid team. So I, I also like thought about other companies and uh, that I spoke to before, um, and I saw them like seeing uh, like. Like HR is either very complex what to build or like even talking about health of organizations, something that maybe we don't need or how do we do it? So it's very, it's written as a very practical guide for, for a new founder, new CEO or HR people who, who want to turn their organization into healthy ones. Uh, it's based a lot on my own experience of what I do in Mind Valley, what we do in Mind Valley, how we practice a lot of things, um, and it's it's also made very very practical. So a lot of things from there you can implement right away uh, in your organization. So it's, it was a very exciting project, and uh, I hope it will be useful for all of you guys. Yeah, 
No, I'm 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 sure it will be. And like you said, uh, I think people have a misconception sometimes about what's the role of HR. How would you de- how would you describe it? Because a lot of people think like HR is just hiring, firing, recruitment, uh, compensation. You know the I guess the how do I put this like the just the daily functions of the business but I know HR plays a much bigger role than that so what would you say um to me um HR um is 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 very crucial to build an effective team if if you as CEO um want to build an amazing team and um, and you have the ideas on how it should look like. What are some of the principles? You like HR is the best companion to make it happen. It's almost impossible to do it by yourself as the CEO. You will you will set your vision, but execute it and 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 build it. Build the amazing team. That's exactly the role of the HR. And by the amazing team, I mean the team that will uh, build your business. So uh, HR roles is, is, is undeniable there. And, um, and it's simple. It's actually like build a great team that works well together. That's, that's what the role for me is for me. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, the founder or the CEO might have the vision and they need HR to, or the, to hire the right people and put together the right teams to fulfill the business and to actually get this business you know, up and running. Exactly. No, that, I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense and it's a very good point. Um, and on the book, um, so what would you say if you could pick two to three for the people watching, um, two to three key takeaways, what would you say? What would be the three key takeaways from your, for, that we, people could get from the book? Um, for sure, you will learn how to structure the HR team. What are the most important things to focus on when you are only starting? Uh, company and you just the beginning of building the HR function uh, very key and um, very workable components of uh, the culture and uh, I'm not talking about perks and benefits it's actually the culture that when team works very well what are the components of this so you will get from there and uh, number three um, I think um, I think the like the type of uh, like we we spoke today as well about leadership, but there I also talk about um, how to like like going a little bit far from like just theoretical, but leadership in the organization for smaller, mid or 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 larger side, like how to implement it into actions, how to build a great leadership experience for yourself, for your people, for managers as well. So a lot of practical examples and personal experience of building different leadership practices in Mindvalley that can be applied uh, in your company too. Yeah, I think those are three awesome takeaways. And like you said, they're very practical and every organization has to do this at some point or I need to be thinking about HR in this kind of way. So I think it'll be super useful and beneficial to a lot of people. And this comes out on December 15th, right? Awesome. So guys, keep a lookout for it. For any HR professionals, make sure to take a look at that book. I think you guys will take a lot from it. Um, Marta, I wanted to, first of all, I just got a few more questions for you. I want to, first of all, say thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been, I've loved this conversation and just everything has just come together in such an interesting way. So thank you for your time. My two last questions are, first of all, looking back over your career now in Mind Valley, you've been there seven years, you've spoken at events, got awards, you've done it all. 
what would be if you had to pick one what would be your proudest moment mm -hmm. um the proudest moment um um actually if like the, like personally like if i were to speak about my work uh definitely one of the proudest moment when uh when we implemented our objectives and key results in the company and we saw the value and i saw how it transformed for me just reading an article being curious and then like finding out about john doer and then implementing it mind valley that was like professionally speaking it was a very very proud and impactful moment Personally, uh, of seeing the impact of the team, it was the moment when I was in Estonia and we opened the door of Mind Valley University. It was second time we were organizing after Barcelona, and I saw people coming in for their first session in this big hall. And I was there standing with the team. Team was like greeting them, registering, registering, and I was just like looking at this wide open doors and seeing all the people that you probably I never saw them about, uh, before and I only know that they did their journey online most probably or oh, even first time interacting with mind Valley. It, it was it was like um I don't know like dreams come true moment for sure because you you only saw it in your dreams that this possible and then you saw all these people smiling that was a very very touching moment and and I was so proud of the team of uh, what the team was able to build yeah I think those moments I actually had someone on the podcast recently and they so they said something similar that their proudest moment was after putting all the work together having the vision in their head of the experience that you wanted to have how people be smiling you know how to go and to see it come to fruition and see it in real life it really brings everything home and makes you feel good and also when you're doing it with people it just makes you know it just that's those those moments that really develop and like bring those relationships together because you're like we all did this we did this as a team so no that, that's awesome that's an awesome story and for my last question it's a question i ask all my guests is what is the message you'd like people to take home with them today mm -hmm. oh it's such a nice question i like it so much um i think Oh, and I think there is so much that I would like to share. But if you are if you are in HR profession, if you are HR professional who is listening to this podcast, I really want to say that I admire your work, and I, I I really see like huge value in what what we all do as specialists as as people, no matter what type of company we are in, um, the business of people and caring for them and building strong cultures is is something that creates like extremely long lasting change on the environment on the society so uh, if you are in this journey I want to congratulate you I want to wish you all the best and and all the support and growth if you are like CEO and businessman I my hats off to you because building a business it's such a roller coaster and it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of God it takes a lot of uh, um, it takes a lot of dreams, dreaming, and also execution to make it happen. So I, I something that I aspire to be one day, maybe. Uh, but uh, I really, really want to support you and um, want to say that, um, like, we are all, like, all people are admiring and should be admiring entrepreneurs a lot. And if you are a person who maybe right now you're looking for the job or you don't know what to, what to build career uh, on or what to like maybe you are stuck a little bit i i want to say that 
uh, you know, like what happens in life, it's, it's needed at this point of time. Treat this moment as the way to perhaps grow yourself or connect with someone who you need to connect with. Take this time to maybe choose the company that you really want to work for, like identify this company for yourself, spend some time reflecting and, and giving this, this freedom to maybe like, choose the work uh, that that will make you fulfilled. So be very careful about that and, and choose wisely. And don't forget about growing yourself every day as a person, as individual or as professional. I think that's a beautiful message. So a big shout out to all the HR professionals out there. Marta appreciates all your work uh, and how important it is. And to anyone who built a business also, I think what you said is very relative because you know, it is a dream. It all starts with a dream and then to execute it and to go through that process. And like most importantly, now given everything that's happened is to try to take a step back, do reflect and find out what is it that once that you think will fulfill you, what career path, what job, what company, what work and look at investing and growing yourself every day. I think that's a beautiful way to end, uh, end the podcast and a great message for everyone. Uh, Marta, I wanted to say thank you so much again for your time. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've loved this conversation. I've learned so much about culture and HR and people that I didn't even know before. And I think anyone looking to build a company, anyone in HR or anyone just interested about these kind of topics can take a lot from this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you too, Khalid. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed so much. It brought so many ideas and insights for me as well. So kudos for designing it so well for me. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate the kind words. Guys, to everyone listening, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And as always, hope it helps. Peace. Bye.